everyone, welcome back to the Living with Power Hope podcast. My name is Lena Abujamra and I'm your host. Hey, it's so good to have you back here. We share biblical truth for everyday life. I try to give you hope if you're a Christian in a post-Christian world. Hey, I'm not the one who gives you hope. We look at God's word and we find our hope in his word. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you should do it. Uh, don't forget. And then every time we drop a, an episode, you, you'll you get notified of it. If it's your first time here, welcome. We're in a series called Dear Lena, where people just send me their questions about faith, life, culture, and everything in between. Uh, Dear Lena at livingwithpower.org. That's uh, where you can send me your emails. So every week I get this question and I try to answer in three uh bullet point answers and I do it in a way that takes complex questions and thinks about them biblically and sort of in a much simpler way than you might if you were, you know, a PhD in theology. And so nothing against PhDs in theology, but really this podcast is for people who want to be practical and, and apply uh, the Bible in everyday life. And so uh, the question today will, will kind of hopefully be uh, a complex question that I'll try to answer very simply. And so again, uh, people have spent sometimes decades studying certain topics that we're bringing up here and I'm trying to cover them in 20 minutes or less so keep that in mind as we look at the answers and that's not an excuse it's just an explanation of of why I approach things as I do I, I think at the end of the day most of us living in post-Christian America are restricted in time and yet we want to pursue truth and so um, really one of the goals of putting together the series is to help you sort of navigate those big questions and think about them in a very straightforward and applica- applicable way in your life so here's a question without further ado Dear Lena, is it possible to be pro-woman in a complementarian church structure? To be post-Christian, as you might know, is, uh, is sort of to be uh, with the era that we're living in. It's not just post-Christian, but it's post-feminist in many ways. And so you hear that word complementarian, you may be wondering, you know, what does that mean? And sort of talked about that in the past, but the difference between a complementarian and an egalitarian um, the complementarian biblical worldview sort of holds to the teaching of scripture that says that men and women are equal but different. God created male and female as complementary expressions of the image of God. Whereas the egalitarian Christian worldview says that there's biblical equality in authority and in responsibility. So men and women do everything the same in church, pastor, elders, and, uh, and, and in marriage, not just in the church. And so, um, and so it's funny, you know, I've been listening a bit to, to some of the voices out there. Uh, one of the complementarian voices is Mary Cassian. She's, she's great. And she's got a lot of thoughts on post-feminism and that we're all sort of born into this feminist era. So that we have sort of been, uh, I think, not brainwashed in a sense, but I think so much of what maybe in the 60s and 70s was radical is now no longer radical to us. So we're past the feminist era where feminism declares social, economic, political equality of the sexes. Um, now we're sort of in a post-feminist era. And, uh, and, uh, um, and by the way, just a quick note, feminism's opposite is not misogyny. I think that sometimes we sort of jump to these extreme conclusions with, with words. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're living in this era now with post-feminism where, you know, sort of a lot of us have already, even if you've grown up in a conservative home where you were in churches that sort of taught this rule differentiation between male and female, you have in you, and I think that's what drives a lot of this question about, well, what is the function of men and women in the church, and can women be pastors, and what about women, and, you know, are, are, are these conservative churches, are they anti-women? And I think a couple of things I've attributed to those questions. One is that uh, that the complementarian, you know, church structures were men have been uh, uh, have been sort of 
in control or in charge have been abusive of their control and abusive of their power. And so it's, it has led a lot of misogyny. So the questions have arisen out of a broken system, a system that, though it claims to be biblical, has not always behaved biblically. By the way, that's not across the board, but enough cases that, that people who have grown up in complementarian circles have scratched their head and gone, man, if this is biblical, I don't want part of that. And so, you know, and so this question of, well, well are you pro-woman? How can you say you're a complementarian and, and be pro-woman? And so with complementarianism, again, you might be going to a church like I'd go, which would say you cannot be a main pastor or an elder if you're a woman. And so that, to our ears that are born in post-feminist America, we might hear that be like, man, you're so backwards and you're so anti-woman and how, how can you, how can you embrace that? That seems so wrong. And yet it, um, it sort of goes back to, you know, the heart of feminism. When you think about the question that got a lot of the feminist movement going. I think Betty Ann um, uh, 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 Freeman, I think is her last name, was the founder of feminism. And by the way, I've, I've not studied feminism to the nth degree, though I in some ways seem like the ultra feminist woman. I'm a doctor, I'm single, uh, I'm very vocal and independent, and um, I, I can argue with a wall, right? So, I mean, I have the tenets of what a feminist would look like. And so her, uh, as she, as she started this quest towards feminism, I think one of the questions that she sought to answer is what is it that will bring women joy and purpose? And, uh, and the answer took women away from uh, the biblical truth and, uh, in, and towards a sort of this uh, conclusion that uh, you uh, will have absolute joy and purpose by deciding, uh, by having the right to name who you are and what you are. Um, and so, and so I think um, that, of course, does not line itself with uh, what the Bible teaches, which is God has a plan for our life, and we are to submit ourselves to Him for meaning and direction. And so, the movement of feminism, and, and by the way, the feminism has taken on a variety of waves. And again, I don't know a lot about those. I'm not going to even conjecture to 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 answer those. And you might be like, well, what, then why are you doing a podcast on him? Well, because I'm an average person who uh, is living in a world who has to understand a biblical framework to navigate the question of, uh, can you uh, be pro-woman in a complementarian church structure? And I certainly am pro-woman and I am in a compl complementarian church structure. So I think that um, there is a biblical way to think of it. And here, here's how I would present the answer to this question. Number one, to assume that complementarianism's or complementarians are anti-woman is to deeply misunderstand complementarianism. So again, you go back to, well, feminism is, is opposite is not misogyny. Complementarianists are not automatically also chauvinistic, you know, bringing down a woman. On the contrary, if they're, if you hold a biblical worldview, then you certainly understand Jesus did go appear to the woman first when he rose from the dead. Now that doesn't, again, that, that, a lot of the egalitarians, which are the movement of the church that argues that there's equal authority and responsibility between male and female, they're both made in the, they have, you know, no differences in, in function or in equality. So that movement to say, well, because Jesus showed up to the woman first, therefore, that teaches that, that women can, you know, have value in scripture. Well, yeah, complementarians ought to believe the same thing. Women have value in scripture. I mean, it is Anybody who looks at the word of God and, and submits to its authority, if you don't see that God values women in scripture, I, I don't think you're seen clearly. Because throughout scripture, you see Jesus meeting with women and freeing women and blessing women and on and on and on. And so, boy, I mean, he chose Mary. I mean, she's, of course, his, the mother, you know, the Holy Spirit 
came upon Mary. I mean, she's a woman and look at, you know, how much God did through her. I mean, there's so many examples of women who, you know, Priscilla in the New Testament, who was a leader in the church and others. I mean, there's, there's so many. Esther has a book, you know, granted there aren't a lot of books of the Bible with, with female names, but Esther's one of them. And she was critical in the salvation of the people in the story of the coming of the Messiah because of her, the people of Israel, you know, God used her to protect the people, to save them so that eventually the Messiah could be born. And so the role of women in scripture is immensely uh, awesome and highlights a God who values women. But, uh, but again, you can, to, to, to assume that complementarians are anti-women is to deeply mis misunderstand complementarianism. Male and female are equal but different in complementarianism. Uh, God created male and female as complementary, both in the image of God, but both each expression or each expresses the image of God differently. And so there are certain aspects of womanhood that, that show, uh, highlight a facet of God that only women can potentially, or mostly women can highlight, whereas men highlight another aspect of God. And so the both, sexes, the both sexes bear God's image fully on their own. Each does so in a unique and distinct way. Uh, complementarism is not hierarchical with women being subservient to men. I think that's sort of the superficial understanding of it. And by the way, that's what I'm talking about, that I'm saying that has hurt the church. If your conclusion of complementarianism is the men rule the woman, you've missed it. Because what, what um, Paul teaches is that men are to love uh, their wives in the context of marriage, for as an example, as Christ loved the church. And so that is a very sacrificial love. That is a love, I mean, think about the Christ's love for us. I mean, it is the most amazing thing on the planet. And so I, I think, again, I think the interpretation of complementarianism, unfortunately, has been, um, has, been, has been so often wrong to the point that now it's easy to point fingers and be like, man, you're, you just treat women as less than. Um, authority is not the right to rule, but the responsibility to serve. I think that that's where I think a lot of times we mistake and we misunderstand the, under, the word authority. We think that if men have the authority, well, it's the right to rule. Uh, no, it's the responsibility to serve. And I think that is a completely different approach. And by the way, I know many men who have uh, very well highlighted that responsibility to serve, to love in a Christ-like fashion, to lead. My pastor now is one of the most loving pastors and, and if anything has endorsed my gifts and has looked for ways to, for me to use my gifts. And I've had him on the podcast before and, and would, he would sit here next to me and, and, and would, would easily talk about the value of women in the church. And so there are many good men out there. I think that just because a few, you know, bad strawberries in the bucket of, of strawberries doesn't mean you throw away all strawberries and never eat them again. You just kind of learn to identify the good ones from the bad ones. And even my six-year-old nephew can throw away the bad strawberries and keep the good ones. And so to assume that complementarians are anti-women is to deeply to misunderstand complementarianism. Here's a second big idea. To assume that women are victims of complementarianism is to vastly underestimate women's ability to think. I think it's insulting if you think, well, if you're a complementarian and you're a woman, then you're stupid. And now you might not say it, but you might act it. And by the way, the opposite is true. Many conservative women look at egalitarians and their conclusion might be, well, if you're an egalitarian, that makes you a hyper, you know, feminist, throw off your bra, you know, go march in some, you know, I think those, those stereotypes are ridiculous. And I think we need to offer each other the benefit of um, of respect and the, the, the benefit of thinking so that if a person has reached some of my closest friends, in fact, some people I work with are egalitarians and I utmost respect them and would 
pick their brains and ask them to pay for me on, on, on any number of issues and um, seek them for counsel in my life on a regular basis. And so, so I think, again, I think to, to, to stereotype or caricature some of these uh, rules and be like, oh, if you're this, then you're that is just a ridiculous um, underestimation of women's ability to think on either side, by the way. Women have flourished in the complementarian worldview for centuries. And by the way, there are women in the egalitarian system who are being abused right now. And so it, 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 we, the one, your definition of what camp you're in does not um, mean that you are either you know, free of abuse or under abuse. So, so this is very, the heart is uh, sinful. It's desperately wicked, uh, Jeremiah says. And, and I think, uh, um, again, so many good apples and so many bad apples and it has to do with the state of your heart no matter where uh, you know what label you land under so women who have embraced complementarism have not done so under duress i have read many in fact that you could spend really a lifetime looking through the internet and reading opinions of people who are extremely intelligent on both sides of the debate that's why i think in the past when we've talked about should women be pastors i mean it depends on who you ask i mean you can literally uh, join a PhD program in one or the other. Like there's so much good material on it. And so where you land on it uh, is I'm assuming if you're a woman and you're thinking about whether you land on the complementarian or on the egalitarian side of the Christian debate of what women should do in the church, I would assume that you've thought it through, that you're not doing it under duress, but you've, you've thought about it and you've made a choice based on your intelligence and the season in life you're in, et cetera. There's a lot of aspects to this. And I would disagree with any pastor who would say, you know, you're absolutely wrong on one side or the other. So to assume that complementarians are anti-woman is to misunderstand complementarianism. To assume that women are victims of complementarianism is to underestimate women's ability to think. And thirdly, is it possible to be pro-woman in a complementarian church structure? To assume that all complementarians agree on everything is to have a flawed view of humanity. I mean, again, you go back to, I hate those boxes that we put each other in. And it's we do it in politics and we do it in church you know, issues. And not all complementarians are the same, you know? Uh, not all patriarchs are misogynistic. My dad was a patriarch. I mean, he, there was no question he led our family. He was an Arab man, you know, who came to Christ in his 50s. I mean, I mean, it was his way or, high, or the highway. And yet, look, look at me. If you've met my sister, she's twice as bad as me. Maybe not. We're equal. But we're both the most vocal people on the planet. So not all, that's one example. There are many other examples. Not all patriarchs are misogynistic. The Old Testament is plenty full of patriarchs like Abraham, like Moses, like others who, who were not misogynistic. And, uh, uh, in fact, Abraham sought his wife's opinion, and in fact, he shouldn't have <laughs> listened to his wife's opinion when they got Hagar into the mix. But nonetheless, uh, he was, um, I think, to assume that all patriarchs are misogynistic, again, is a caricature of rules. Not all pro-woman supporters um, are biblical either. And so humanity is that we um, have opinions, and we might identify with a denomination or uh, a, a view of, of life. Even You might even be a feminist. Uh, if your definition of feminism is simply uh, everyone who recognizes the equality of male and females, if you leave it at that, then how can you not be a feminist, right? And so, but but the definition of feminism, I think, it, you know, it connotes or insinuates a whole lot more uh, than just that. I think right now the modern day feminist and post-feminist movement uh, would 
expand the definition of feminism to include uh, things like being pro-choice, being owning your own body, making decisions that make you comfortable, things that are I'm 100% opposed to, which is why I don't consider myself a feminist. So even though I functionally might look like I have some characteristics of being a feminist in that I talk fast and loudly and I'm intense and passionate, uh, yet um, I, I strongly disagree with where... Uh, with who has authority over our life. I think the Lord does and who sets the meaning and the direction of our life. Again, I think God and his word do. And so, um, uh, is it possible to be pro-woman in a complementarian church structure? And I would say, absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, uh, I believe that and I will live uh, for that. Not for that, I'm living for the Lord, but I will fight for that. That might be a better way to say it. I will fight for uh, a woman and uh, the honor of women and uh, the protection of women, even in a complementarian or uh, uh, especially in a complementarian world, world structure, church structure. So if you have more questions about this, I'm sure we're going to be hitting more um, answers and questions about the role of women, gender identity. Some of these questions, I know they're tough. Again, remember, we're trying to think biblically. How do you approach these conversations? How do you think intelligently? Where do you start to read? By the way, a lot of great resources um, uh, on this, I think we'll put some in the um, in the uh, 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 podcast notes. Uh, I had a book that I wanted to tell you about, and I can't for the life of me think of it as I started here, but it will um, make it into the... Uh, oh, okay, here it is. Uh, Amy Bird's Recovering uh, from Biblical Manhood and Womanhood is probably uh, a book that I commend to you. Uh, one of many, but one of the books that I commend to you right now that would sort of look at this debate between complementarians and egalitarians and everything in between and man, biblical manhood and womanhood and what that means. And, and she, again, has landed still in the same camp as I have, but is an intelligent, well-read, uh, well-studied woman who I believe does this topic a lot of justice. Julie Royce has a great book on that as well. And, uh, you know, we might, why don't we give away one of each uh, for those of you who might be struggling with these questions. Uh, Julie Royce's book, Redeeming the Feminine Soul, God's Surprising Vision for Womanhood. Hey, I would love to give one of Julie's books and one of Amy's books. Uh, send me an email at dearlina at livingwithpower.org. By the way, if you have a question for the future, send it to me at dearlina at livingwithpower.org. And if you um, like this podcast, you find it challenging, share it with your friends. Let them uh, open up some conversations that are hard with you. And now you have answers for them, I hope. And so uh, stay strong in the Lord. Uh, stay connected to his word. Uh, that's the only way we're going to grow in these topics and these conversations. And uh, come back next week. Hey, in the meantime, if you want to join me live Thursday nights on our Facebook community page, go to livingpower.org and click on join our community at the top of the page. By the way, when you subscribe to my podcast, you get a daily devotional called Power Minute into your inbox. It is great. It's just a thought about a verse and an application question. If you're looking for a good devotional, you need to do that. Uh, hey, have a great day. Love you guys, and I'll see you again next week.